0: Recorded
1: live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode one twenty is recorded live june twenty first, twenty twelve. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson, and here's a few of the articles we're going to be covering this week. We have Alien Hunt Revealed, Hero Fisherman, Lens Implants in Scuba Diving, Divers for the Scuba Olympics. But before we get started, I'd like to introduce my co-host for this week. First up, we have Mac, our dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac?
0: I'm doing very
2: well, thank you. Glad to be here again.
1: Excellent. And we also have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim?
2: I'm as fine as a Bristol lady. Excellent. Well,
1: before we get started in the news, we have an interview. If you are a regular subscriber of the show and you've been getting the news feeds, you've already gotten an interview. Maybe you haven't listened to it, but uh, we wanted to get uh, Sebastian Maratz of the uh, French job on the show live, but we weren't able to arrange it. But Denea Buckingham did an interview for us, so we're going to play that here in the show. And at the end, we'll do a little bit of uh, commentary on what they had to say. So here we go. On to Denea.
3: Hey everybody at Scuba Obsessed, it's Danaya again, and I've been in the south of France for the past week and a half working on the French job. Thank you again everybody for your votes and promoting me to get the role of the English blogger. A uh, bit of a treat for you guys, I'm here with the man himself, Sébastien Murat.
4: Hey everybody at Scuba Obsessed, it sounds obsessed, ah, it sounds very fanatical.
3: Wow. Just like me. <laughs> just like you. Um, And although we can't be live with you guys uh, to talk with the hosts, we're going to record a little interview for you, um, so you can at least hear a bit more about Seb. Uh, So, you said you're fanatical. When did you start? Yeah, I
4: guess so. Well, I became fanatical. I started very late in the game. I was like 27 or 28, I think. And uh, the good thing is it's one of those sports you can start Quite late in the game. It's very forgiving like that. Very unlike many other sports. Yeah.
3: You laughed at me when I said it was scuba obsessed because you are obviously. It's all right. A I, used free to scu-
4: I used to teach scuba. Did for you? Like Fifteen years or so. Yeah. Where did you On teach? Great Barrier Reef. Very
3: Cool. What yeah. brought you into free diving?
4: Uh, poor look. I was, I was a bit of an athlete, I guess, before that, uh, doing track and field, and just uh, I got too many hits like injuries and uh so i had to make a switch and uh you know water mediums kind of low impact on the joints so i kind of made the switch and i was very fit so i could hold my breath quite a long time and it was pretty easy natural progression
3: how long do you hold your breath for can you hold your breath for Look,
4: I, well at, at the time when you know if you start talking about packing your lungs full of air and stuff like that i could i my best I was like three months into it. I was like eight minutes after that. I got better, but I, I never really got interested in just sitting around holding my breath. I didn't see the application. So, uh, but now uh, I do dives on what we call empty lungs, and these are uh, you know active dives. I'm not just like floating around in the swimming pool um, or on a couch at home. And these are dives that at at, at extreme would be like four minutes long. So. You know, it involves swimming, obviously. So that's yeah, it's, it's a long time, I guess.
3: Awesome. I told everybody at Scuba Obsessed what I could find of your technique yeah. um, and how it, you know, is different from maybe other free divers yeah. when I was talking to them before. Could you elaborate a little bit? So it's from the horse's mouth.
4: Yeah, like it's it's a really simple strategy. It's um, it's a diving strategy employed by a wide range of animals. It's a universal strategy, you know, reptiles, diving reptiles, uh, diving birds, diving mammals use it. And the essence of it is really uh, to minimize energy consumption. You know? Gases underwater cause problems. And one of the things that this strategy allows you to do is to minimize energy, but there's also these um, benefits, side effects that uh, involve, well, you don't have narcosis. Presumably you have a much reduced risk of decompression illness and and also reduced risk of shallow water blackout. So it's more of a natural harmonious way to dive without all the pathological effects that you would typically experience if you were diving on full lungs.
3: Awesome. And you've been doing that over the past two weeks. We've been in on 12 years, and, actually. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, obviously, yeah. for the past 12 years, but um, you've been sort of what, why the French job, why these two weeks of, of sort of.
4: Yeah, so I mean, essentially, the, the aim of this dive was to, you know, the, the free diving, let's call it free diving world, is, is pretty small, but uh, it's it uses techniques that I essentially. To be quite um, blatant uh, and factual, uh, pathological, right? If you go dive, free dive, you, you have a lot of risks, you know, and a lot of people die each year. So, my approach was, you know, I, I didn't like that. And um, uh, a, a couple of divers that, that I know also use this technique now, and I thought there's some merit in it, so we could probably uh, put it on a platform and maybe promoted but not in a heavy way just you know this is what we're doing this is what you can do with it and it's not necessary to do all this exotic stuff with all these adverse side effects so it's a promotional thing but you know the record you know I'm still kind of I'm still programmed for competition to some extent so it would have been nice uh, didn't happen lots of challenges technical challenges hurdles obstacles that we faced and at the end of the day it, it didn't eventuate. but yeah, that's okay there'll be other days
3: yeah definitely um has anything when you say that you know there will be other days has anything changed in your style or your system or your technique um over these past two weeks
4: you know we came here i have a very very um, simple approach I, I would try to reduce all extraneous kind of things you know simple stupid recipe uh, really reduced to its bare essentials and still still We could have made it even simpler and we had a lot of failure of the equipment not so much the system but like shackles and things carabiners couldn't handle the weights that we were throwing at it so um i mean these are unknowns you don't know until you do it and um but i mean logistically would i come back to south of france to do this i i would seriously rethink about the weather you know maybe that we we got hammered by that continuously so that's frustrating but we still need to do this in places that afford logistical assistance and you know maybe i don't know maybe the states next year
3: okay uh, yeah maybe cool. the
4: caribbean somewhere
3: have you dived in the states before
4: no, I haven't actually. So, you know, maybe I should probably go there instead.
3: These guys do a lot on the Great Lakes. Okay. Um, and they often dive in freshwater yep. as well. So they've got a lot of the old wooden shipwrecks yep. and yep. stuff like that. Well, I, I live cool. on the
4: Baltic, so it's practically like brackish freshwater. So it's very similar.
3: Awesome. Um. Very cool. Well, that sounds, it sounds like it's been a productive two weeks. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it's
4: a huge learning curve, like exponential, really. And uh, I mean, a lot of frustration, the guys are really, really tired because they went really hard. And uh, like today, the boat failed, you know, like we lost the steering on the boat. So, you know, you can't plan for that. That's just, that's the slap in the heads you get. That's it.
3: There's so many variables with it. And I mean, ultimately, you know what you could do is come here and experience it and try it out and yeah, you know yeah. work on what you do that's right so for that and I mean for me it's been amazing and getting to go out on the boat and see how you do I said you went scuba diving
4: yesterday I went scuba that's diving right. yesterday you on the water, right? and yeah. it
3: is really cold
4: <laughs> yeah well this is the other thing you know we came here it was like 22 23 degrees and uh, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit but you can do the calculation and uh, within the space of three days it dropped like to 14 this morning like so it's very hard to plan for dives when you you know you don't know what you're going to go into
3: absolutely i mean that's the that's well the curse and the beauty of the sport that's i guess right. sometimes yeah. you get a pearler and other times it's terrible you
4: just have to be flexible
3: awesome um any advice on free diving beginners advanced whatever you want to throw no, in just the pot s-
4: stick to scuba diving it's true. No, no seriously awesome after their own hearts <laughs> No, I mean, the advice is, um, I mean, there's plenty of instructors out there nowadays, knowledgeable. So, you know, like Skibit, just do your course. And um, and there's lots of information on the net. So if you dig around, self-educate yourself, I'm sure you progress pretty quickly. It's, it's not rocket science.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've given me some awesome information that I've put up on the French Job website.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, as well, so they can hop on there, and most of them read my blog too. So I'll yeah. copy that info. Over I mean, well. and,
4: you know, just to let people know, you know, to be able to do this, you don't have to have these extraordinary capacities. You know, you just have to have a your head screwed on. So. Yeah.
3: Which is hard for some people, but <laughs> well, <I don't laughs> what know. can you do? I, yeah. No one, no one listening to this podcast, obviously. Um, so, what do you think is next in the world of free diving? Is it, a, you know, an insurgence in your technique? Is it?
4: Hmm. Well, I mean, freediving is one of those. It's called a sports now. I guess it's it's an organized sport, and it's one of those sports that where world records are probably broken at least once or twice a year, right? And because it's still kind of new, you know, it hasn't kind of fully the dust hasn't fully settled. So you're going to see more world records, but you know, essentially, it's more of the same and. Um, the guys are going deeper and deeper, so the problems are being magnified. And I think in the long term, or even in the short term, I don't think we can sustain that kind of approach much longer because we're just losing too many people, um, you know, that they die, basically, or they get put off because of the risks involved. So the approach has to be rethought, and I think you've got to look on the other side of the fence and see what, yeah. You know, uh, animals are doing and, and maybe just think about it a bit uh, I think there's lots of scope lots of potential but we can't keep going like the, the way we have it's just scale kind of stuff you know
3: yeah do you think it'll become along the lines of what scuba is now where people travel for it and enjoy it for what it is rather uh, than already, a competition? it already it, it already is you know
4: okay. so people are really interested in diving particular locations uh, and not necessarily competitions, you know, not one. Not everyone wants to get personal records, but, and in some extent it's not very healthy to do that because of the risks involved. So um, if you take yourself to the limit, you, you may overstep that limit. So I, I think you're gonna see more package deals involving free diving holidays and so on. And um, I, I'm certainly more interested in that side as well. It's much more pleasurable.
3: yeah Yeah. awesome and for you what's next
4: Uh uh-huh more of the same (laughs) i just keep going i don't know and it's just like spin that wheel see where she lands and um i don't have any rigid plans i'm pretty flexible pretty open to projects so i like having projects you gotta have projects to keep your motivation up um so i don't know next challenge we'll see some some new location on an exploration of some sort
3: yeah awesome still in still in free diving you want to keep yeah absolutely yeah. I mean
4: that's you know that's my medium so i wouldn't go out there re- reinvent myself all over again it's pretty hard work
3: cool well I know personally I look forward to following your progress and I think all the guys on on scuba obsessed do as well so where can we keep uh, tabs on yourself
4: well I mean I have a free diving website I guess where I teach courses um free diving australian um, but other than that, if you're looking for information, I would probably recommend there's a few forums, but um, Deeper Blue is probably the main the main actor in in the freediving world, uh, as, uh, in terms of English-speaking countries. Yeah, there's a few in France and Italy, but um, Deeper Blue is pretty much central. I think you probably find me there now and then. I, I don't spend too much time on the net because I'm too busy diving. But yeah.
3: Cool. And I mean, if anybody's got any massive questions, you guys can shoot me an email on my blog and I'll pass it on to Seb and, and yeah, maybe he'll answer. When it, here. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you very much. You're I think you have got a party to get to. So do I. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Bye guys. Well, excellent. Thank you so much, Seb and Danea. So what do you think, uh, Jim and Mac? Uh,
0: I don't think I'd want to dive with him, because if he skipped breathe and held his breath for four minutes of a shot, he could get at least four hours on a tank.
2: <laughs> That's about what you do sometimes, Mac.
0: I feel like, uh, I don't quite do the four minutes, but you do get comfortable sometimes down there and you forget to breathe.
2: Of course, What's that, Jim? I was going to say, I thought his... Uh comments about using the uh, style of animals was very interesting where instead of taking a deep breath and holding it, you know, he basically exhales and go down, goes down lungs empty.
1: Yeah, I, that that is a very interesting approach to it. And it makes a lot of sense I when you think about it, because when you pack your lungs and then have this big volume of air, it just makes you so much more buoyant. And then you've got to take extra weight to get down. And then when you come up, you're breathing air out, I think is what a lot of them do.
0: I was curious about the aspect of collapsing the lung because he didn't take a full breath. That's, that's really the first time that I've seen a lot of people talk about that. I've heard them when they do the deep breath, the oxygenation, you know, on O2 before they go down. But not to do deep breath, I, that's what amazes me.
1: Well, when, sometimes when you hear about what when they're doing these deep dives, I, I read an article where they're talking about that the lung's actually filled with blood. So I'm wondering if without the air, if that changes that at all.
2: Interesting question.
1: Sure. And in the chat room, I pasted uh, some of the websites that they talked about. At one point, he mentioned the temperature. Uh, when they originally were starting, it was 22 Celsius, which is about 71.5 degrees Fahrenheit. And then it kind of cooled off a little bit down to 14. And they've got to, that was uh, 57.2 but uh, his cold was <laughs> what we've been having on the surface in the Lake Michigan, what I which I, I would call warm.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm curious how that would change his breathing rate where he'd be diving like that in our territory.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, in one aspect that when I talk about that mammalian reflex, yeah, I almost believe that cold helps now, in
2: the MDR. It
1: does, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe he needs to come to the Great Lakes maybe about April. Maybe that will give him some longer times down. Let's
0: go to Lake Superior
2: anytime. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> a little chilly. And then uh, it sounded like what kind of did in the final attempt at the depth was uh, a boat breakdown, which w- w- that would have to be frustrating after years and months of planning uh, to get right down to it. And then the very last day, the boat breaks down. Yeah. So once again, thank you, Denea, for putting together that interview. Excellent job there, and it was very interesting. Look forward to following Seb and see what he comes up with you know, next year if he gets a, a chance to shoot for the record again. So from that, from the interview, we're going to jump right on into the news. The first one is a follow-up, salvage crew start work on refloating the Costa Cordia. A few weeks back, we had talked about the approach they were going to have. And then, Mac, that's an excellent article that you found with some of the details. Again, that's getting pasted in the chat room. So if you're not in a chat room, you're missing out. Um, Representative from Costa Concordia and the Italian american Consortium, Titan Micropri today presented details of the much-anticipated plan to remove the wreck. Oh, wait, that, that's, that's the older article. Let me go back to the other one. So your, your yours Mac had better pictures.
0: <laughs> different, <laughs>
1: different, different pictures, but uh, an older article. So we'll have to mix the two together. So the salvage the salvage crew started work to refloat. They began uh, work this week in preparations. Uh, it's reported to be the largest ever refloat, which I believe it. I mean, I I don't. Uh, what would be the next biggest? Do you think? Say again. What would you think be the next biggest refloat? I mean, this is obviously the biggest, but. I haven't heard I, of anything.
0: I can't think of anything bigger than that right now. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, it's nearly 1,000 feet. I imagine the military's had some things, but I've, I haven't heard of anything more than a couple hundred feet being refloated.
0: Yeah, not a 1,000. I mean, even back in the days of uh, bringing up that Russian submarine with the Glomar expedition, that wasn't that big by any stretch.
1: So this first phase that they're doing is the uh, preliminary work, Uh, So it's going to be to help it get stabilized, and that's going to happen in these first few months. Uh, The cost of the project is $300 million and will last about one year. Uh, They're expecting to stabilize, have the stabilization part at the end of August complete, which which will prevent it from shifting down the rocky ledge and plummeting into deep water. So let's go back and, and look at that those photos I bet you
0: nickel they have cost overruns up to kazoo
1: oh yeah well wow.
2: you know if they leave that uh, shelf down there that might make for a decent dive sometime that, that would platform they're putting on there i don't know how deep it would be but uh might make for a nice uh, flat and level uh, underwater reef Hmm. that would but why do i have a feeling that they're going to take it up Probably would, but yeah. you know that they're going to have to really brace that thing well into the side of that uh, that incline to support all the weight they're going to put on it without having it shift.
1: Yeah, if you look at those the photos from that article Matt gave us, it looks like that's they got it fairly far down. So if the vessel's at all floating, it should almost not even come in contact with it. So that gets it's started. Interesting
0: to know what type of. Um isolation chambers I have on the, on the bottom of the boat. <clears throat> Cause as you start to route that up, if you could start sucking water out of the, out of the ballast, right, depending on how they section that, if you could suck it out of the bottom half and it's contained. You could block it off and get a bubble. I would write that little sucker pretty quick. It would help them. Uh, well, without me pointing, you can't tell what I'm talking about. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, 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 I... They have an idea of what you're talking about, though. Just uh, moving the moving the ballast, moving the air around, being able to flip, which makes sense to me. I'm sure there will be some sort of documentary that we'll be able to watch on this.
0: Oh, I bet there is.
1: Mega I'm just curious sure what
0: they're going to find once they get upright. If they'll find the missing people on board.
1: Yeah, I bet they. Uh, everybody who's there, I'm sure that they'll find at some point if they do, if they are able to write
2: it.
0: Yeah, right now they're only saying there's only two unaccounted for.
1: Yeah, that, that American uh, couple that was missing, they, they were able to find. <clears throat> the other thing is, uh, uh, yeah, conspiracy theory, are the ones that are unaccounted, uh, were they even on?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, we go from that to another uh, follow-up of a previous article, The Findings of Deep Sea Alien Hunt Revealed. Uh, if you remember, there was a underwater alien-looking structure that happened to look Exactly like the Millennium Falcon. Sweet- Swedish explorers uh, were looking at the bottom of the Baltic. Uh, after having digital photos or uh, scans of the area, they decided to go down. I was hoping it would be. So was I. That would have been interesting.
0: Are interesting is putting it mildly. How <laughs> about <laughs> world changing in an ad,
1: well, you know, if it had been a space spacecraft, I'm sure that uh, the the research boat would have sunk or something, and uh,
2: we'd never know about it. So,
1: or maybe this well, is disinformation.
2: Regardless of what they find, it's going to be a uh, rock formation.
1: Yeah, yeah. So maybe they did find something. Maybe they took that uh, submarine base and they just floated it in there. <laughs> right, right part of the world. So Stonehenge too. <laughs> The, the scientists working on it said it's obviously, it's not obvious an alien spaceship. That's not obviously an alien spaceship. It's made of metal. It's not made of metal. Why am I reading everything wrong? I've, I've got uh, logic dyslexia, I think. Who says they have to use metal? He joked. Uh, this trip has raised a lot of questions. So they spent 12 days starting on June 1st. Lindbergh, his partner, Dennis Ausberg, and scientists and divers explored the 200-foot wide object under the Baltic that had first been discovered a year ago in sonar. Uh, they employed a robotic camera, sonar, and deep-sea divers at this time, uh, took spent nearly two weeks probing the object and its environs. What's an environs? Must be slang for something scientists are still examining the footage from the expedition but it appears like a giant stone the kind divers see in quays and harbors one that seems to originate from before the ice age the main object was not only a thing seen by explorers there are other loose stones lying around as well he said the formation of rocks is sixty meters in diameter while the unidentified object may have been identified, it's likely never flew, it still holds secrets. The odd thing about the discovery is that there's no silt on the rock, for example. It would ordinarily be covered with silt in the bottom of the sea. Even more odd is a seemingly natural formation. The main object is dishaped, appears to have construction lines, and boxes drawn on it. There's also straight edges. The divers unlimited what they could see. With their lighting technology, gave them the illumination about one meter at most. Sonar was used to explore the object as well. The surface has cracks on it, some kind of black mineral in the cracks, but we don't know what it is. Adding to the mystery, there appears to be a pillar which is holding up the 200 foot wide objects. The pillar is eight meters high. Divers explored the space slowly as to not stir up undersea silt and interfere with digital photography. They collected stone samples from samples from nearby objects as well as sonar images and digital images. We're going through the footage right now. More video at 11. Yeah. Uh, I like the little point at the end. They say the Americans and Japanese are much more excited. <laughs> okay. Now, this is just such an odd article. I couldn't avoid covering it. This is uh, from Lake Tahoe. And there are rumors that Lake Tahoe uh, has a unique ability to preserve human corpses suspended in the dark water. They said the fact is uh, driven by a diver that drowned 20 years before and his body was recovered intact, at, uh, added to the resurgence of this local legend. Uh, Donald Windacker was reported missing on July 10th, 1994, while diving off the Rubicon Point with a friend. The underwater Rubicon Wall near Bliss State Park is a popular spot among technical divers, also near California's first underwater shipwreck park two miles south at Emerald Bay. According to an incident report leads at the time, Windecker experienced an unknown complication while diving, he sank in the depths before his partner could get him the surface. A local dive shop employee recently told me that overweighting is common problem among scuba divers. Uh, The body was later spotted at a depth of 265 feet by uh, a deep-water diver on July 23, 2011. Uh, The body was lodged in a rock crevice. Authorities used uh, an ROV to search using small lights, and then it took them most of a day after finding the body to bring it back to the surface with with a mechanical claw. Um, They said that they found the body intact and preserved after seven years. Doesn't confirm that human bodies can remain suspended in the Lake Tahoe. Uh, The scientists estimate that 220 million crawfish crawling around the lake basin are in constant search of food uh, since they were introduced in the late 1800s. They're attributing the good condition of the body, the wetsuit that he wore, the gloves, and the fact that he was wedged in a crack that kept him from the bottom so the little critters uh, didn't get him. Uh, Then what they said is uh, another uh, rumor is that Jacques Cousteau is said to have uh, uh, gone to the depths in a submersible watercraft in the 60s and 70s. The rumor said when he returned to the surface, he allegedly said, the world isn't ready for the horrors I've seen, referring to floating bodies. Really? (laughs) Well, and then when they fact-checked the story, they said they found that he had never visited the lake. His son Philip did. And several people who knew Jacques Cousteau said he was such a self-promoter, he would have taken the shocking footage and made a National Geographic special. Uh, Other causes for the legend of the floating bodies is some believe that Chinese workers who were building the Transcontinental Railroad in the 1860s were thrown into the lake instead of being paid. Also, mafia murder victims were dumped into the water where their bodies would sink and never be found. Uh, there's no actual factual basis for the rumors, but the scene in Godfather Two was filmed on Tahoe's west shore, where one guy gets whacked and dumped into the lake to swim with the fishes. But that little sounds was... like.
2: Go ahead. Sounds like the cold water of Lake Superior. And yes. As the song says, "Superior," it said, "Never gives up its dead."
0: Well, I wonder if they have the big uh, crayfish there. Let's say that you 20... realize Australia is home to two of the largest freshwater crayfish. They can achieve a mass up to 11 pounds.
1: 11 pounds for a crayfish. That's a lobster.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I always call them my freshwater lobsters anyway, but I'd can't. i I'd like to see a freaking 11-pound one.
1: Oh, I would too. Preferably not but holding the on. The other there. one, now,
0: they were saying 4.4 pounds is not uncommon. 11 is the largest they found. That's amazing. I didn't know how deep they go, either. I was trying to look that up.
1: A, a crayfish? Yeah. I don't know. Well, That's and Jim Kleeman I... and I were talking about this. We, we've never been able to figure out why Lake Michigan tends to just be sand with not a whole lot living on the bottom.
0: Well, I think you got to have vegetation or something for it to eat.
2: We need something to eat. Like a mussels. That would live on the bottom and thrive in Lake Michigan.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Maybe, maybe like some uh, Loch Ness type monster would uh,
2: that would eat zebra mussels.
1: But even uh, seaweed, you don't see much seaweed in Lake Michigan now.
2: I wonder oh, I if Asian <laughs> carp would eat zebra mussels. Asian carp. Wonder if Asian carp would eat zebra mussels. Let's I don't just know. know if it will.
1: I've heard rumors that there are some uh, some species of fish that are starting to get in a taste for them.
0: Yeah, after ten years, yes, they have not got acclimated.
1: Next up, we have Hero Fisherman Saves a Diver, another reason to uh, like our fisherman friends. Retired fishermen from Tree 4 have been hailed a hero after saving a scuba diver who had suffered a heart attack in the water. Emery Evan 63 was out fishing on his boat bank on uh, bank holiday Monday when he came across a man and woman struggling to keep afloat in the sea by the pier. Uh, He said, I heard a woman shouting for help from the pier. When I looked over, I could see she was trying to keep a man above water. She looked like she was really struggling. I went towards him as quickly as I could. I wasn't sure whether the man was breathing or not. He was wearing scuba diving gear, so it was very he was very heavy and hard to pull into the boat. Instead, they managed to hold on to the side. I guided him back to the shore, and the woman swam alongside him. I wasn't sure what happened to the man. I thought the man was, had been out of breath. The water was quite rough around the pier, but when I got to shore, I realized it was more serious. He had actually suffered a heart attack. Uh, after hospital treatment, the rescue... Rescued man is recovering at home, and his wife sent a message of thanks to Mr. Evans.
0: Right place at the right time.
1: Yep. So those, uh, not only can they help us find shipwrecks, they can also save us every once in a while. And this one's not quite a scuba story, but you know, maybe it's a future uh, scuba spot. A Massive sinkhole swallows a Florida home. And When you look at the photo, it, uh, it appears to be a home that's on a lake. A home in Hudson, Florida along Florida's west coast was ripped apart Wednesday after a massive sinkhole opened underneath it. The home belonged to 79-year-old Susan Maniluto when it quietly describe. crumbled to, to the ground. You just look over there and the whole back end of the house flipped right down into the hole, the neighbor said. They said, ironically, full of water. what's that?
0: You'd think it'd be full of water Is that close to shoreline? I would think so, yeah.
1: especially being a sinkhole.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, in Florida, that's pretty much all limestone and stuff. But uh, I guess it depends on where the water table was. Here's the uh, the irony of it. She was having her home evaluated for the risk of sinkholes when the ground opened up. The crews were actively surveying her property. They stepped out. She stepped out to run an errand. By the time she got home, half her house was already in the ground. Wow. Well,
0: I didn't realize they get 150 sinkholes a year there.
1: Well, We've had them up here in Michigan. I can remember... Uh, no, they're potholes. Those hills are potholes.
2: <laughs> about the same thing, right? They swallow cars. About the same size, too. And well, do you yeah. do you
1: remember the one that happened on uh, the highway there by Holland, Michigan? Yeah, yeah. You know, that that just I mean that was about this size.
0: When
1: was that one? I don't remember that. Oh gosh, well, that'd have been the 80s. Really? Yeah, it uh, closed off part of the highway right there. I, I'll, I'll have to look that one up, find an exact date. But yeah, it was in, around Holland. It just I don't know if it was uh, a creek or whatever. You you never know when they when they do the constructions, but so uh, yeah, th- just the irony of it to actually have your home checked out, and then as you're having it checked out, the thing that you it's it's like having a fire inspection and the house going up in flames. So, but uh, isn't a sinkhole just a, a future cavern to dive in?
2: Yeah, I think it should be, or could be.
0: Up here we call them quarries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> quarries. So. This, this this next article has an interesting picture. If nothing else, look at it for the picture. The Greek elite scuba diving team is forced to stop singing about glorious Macedonia. Shut your mouth! That song is banned. Was an order from a Greek commanding officer after the group, what appeared to be elite scuba divers, soldiers, sang "Glorious Macedonia" while marching in the city of Pizarre. That that looks like a lot of effort, doesn't it, when you see them in the photos, to be in a parade marching with full scuba gear? I just wonder if that's
0: full scuba gear or if that's skins
1: Did you post it again, Darren? Yeah, let me, let me go ahead and uh, throw it in the chat room again. I thought I put it in there. There you go. Yeah, that's, uh, of course, they're not wearing uh, fins, but uh, you, you think we get the mud club to go and uh, march in parades? I'm sorry, Mac, what was that?
0: It
1: like they had their fence on their left leg, doesn't it? It like they had something. Oh, yeah. The, uh, I actually, I kind of see it. It's kind of like um, hanging from their belt, maybe. Yeah. Oh, there's one on the left leg and one on the right leg. I like their masks. Well, those are the old classics. Yeah. Well, they didn't have the hood tie. So my
0: goodness.
1: Yeah. Now, hopefully they're not marching in seven millimeters. That'd roast a little bit. <laughs> but what would be the purpose? I mean, of all your your things, do you really need to have your scuba team marching in a parade? <laughs>
2: Uh, there's got to be something we just don't know about that. Well, I, I think that's uh, something today. we all think
1: about doing. My Club, get everybody out there in gear and marching. Or not. Scuba drill team, maybe.
2: Well, first of all, I, I don't think we could march, let alone march in scuba gear. <laughs> now, if they wanted to pull us on a trailer, <laughs> they, they could put us right behind the prom queen. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or if we had a big goldfish bowl, we could swim in it on the trailer. Oh, no, that
2: would be the way to do it. There, six, you there you go. There you go. I'm
1: yep. just afraid they would see us and think that we were an exhibit from SeaWorld. I'll be kind tonight, won't comment. But
2: I represent <laughs> that remark.
1: <laughs> yeah, we just make sure we don't wear black and white uh, wetsuits. Yeah.
0: Did they say scuba team? Scuba. I was looking at the Greek National Free Diving Team. Well, it looks just like those guys.
1: Well, these guys are wearing
2: backpacks.
0: That's what I couldn't tell. Did
2: well, you And you went free dive or? with oh, a full mask, that, could you? Well, is that a backpack or is that just a BC that's blown up?
1: Oh, okay. So now let's see. Okay, I paste this into the chat room? Mac found another link. Oh, wait, that's not the one. Did I get the wrong one? <laughs> I got everybody. Everybody in the chat room is going to the wrong link. Oh, this is from earlier. Oh,
2: said, oh, everybody in the chat room saw that. Just you know, they weren't reading all the details. They just saw implants and immediately started jumping over the <laughs> for the next article. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why it's so quiet in the chat room. Everybody's over looking at the
1: implants. <laughs> the implants. Those are lens implants. The question I is, see I you
2: with my hand. question was I
1: had cataract surgery at the V.A. and asked the uh, cardiac surgeon if the lens implant was gas permeable. I scuba dive and I needed to know. The surgeon had no idea and said to call the company. So I did. Um, Alcon uh, Ac- AcuSoft IQ Toric is the info on my card. I called and they said they had no idea either. Can you help me with this? So uh, this is uh, a website that's talking about cataract surgery. The answer was whether or not the lens implant after cataract surgery is gas permeable should be immaterial to going scuba diving. Unlike a contact lens that is placed on the surface of the cornea and requires oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide permeability in order to sustain corneal transparency and integrity, an intra-lens implant, or IOL, is within the eye and does not in any way impact cornea physiology. When scuba diving and wearing contact lenses is an important feature, but not for lens implants, Thus, it is doubtful to manufacturer anyone could take time to conduct oxygen permeability studies of the acrylic lens material used for this type of lens implants.
0: I think it's interesting that the, uh, I can't really guarantee this information, you know, the important note, mm-hmm. that's as much information as telling you about the question. This is our, but you can't take this as gospel.
1: No, well, true. Yeah, you you should check on your own. I wouldn't.
0: Right. That's our CYA statement.
1: Yeah. Oh, certainly, yeah. We're we're not doctors or anything, but I just thought that was interesting. And the reason I brought it wasn't so much because I think these type of implants—I'm not going to say they're rare—but uh, what what I didn't realize was the other end of it. Because I've worn contacts for diving for years, and I never thought to even ask the question: Are they gas permeable? So that was something I haven't checked on, It's something I'm I'm going to look at and make sure mine are. I'm I've been diving with them so long, I I'm sure they have to be.
0: Well, for short duration, I'm not sure that would be an issue because the key item is you want to be able to oxygenate over a period of time. An hour is not a major because you can sleep on them, even the old glass ones.
1: Yeah, the glass ones, I imagine, wouldn't be permeable, but it seems like everything nowadays would be all the, all the soft ones.
0: Yeah, because everybody wants to wear them for 24 hours plus.
1: Yeah, that which I think is the nature of the extended wear. I always buy the extended wear, but I don't wear them that long. And I can, you know, I've only worn contacts maybe for 15 years. And I have to say every time I get a new pair or a new prescription, they're much better than they, they were before. I'm amazed at how advanced contacts have gotten. Okay. Well, I'm sorry I don't have another article on implants, but I do have one about women's scuba divers. Sounds sexist to me. Oh, that's what I was thinking. That was another reason why I put it in. It said dive into women's only group a club dedicated to women scuba divers where you can socialize, share experience, and more, right? Shub Taleb. Women who Mac, love scuba diving club. can I now join so an exclusively created club for them. What's that, Mac? All
0: you got to do is join our club. We do all well, that. Well, that's what
1: I was thinking. I mean, every every dive club wants more women divers. They don't need to start their own. Now, I was wondering if maybe it has to do with the country that they're in. You know, that's is true. this... This is a, are they? the
0: veil and, uh, I don't see the veil
1: this is Kuala Lumpur, so is it something where maybe you, women in that part of the world might not feel be comfortable being around men
0: if they're scuba diving, it can't be an quite that rigorous containment of the women. you know what I'm saying, yeah, in certain countries they can't do anything. Yeah. they can do this it's got to be a little more of an enlightened society,
1: yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I just couldn't figure out why. I mean, it's okay. I mean, if somebody wants to have a group, but I'm always amazed when groups try and segregate other people out. You know.
2: You are unmuted.
1: And that's where you find that big pot of gold is right there.
0: I just don't make sure we won't spread that around any more than we just did. I mean, yeah. We'll Put it on the broadcast. Now yeah, everybody so keep, has an idea. We'll keep it to yeah. ourselves. So if you
1: weren't listening to broadcast, you didn't hear where that gold was. Yeah, but I don't understand why they want to. Uh, uh have a, a segregated group. That doesn't sound like any fun.
0: I generally know that if you're a female in our diving groups, you get more attention, you get more equipment available to you to borrow than you ever do if you're by yourself or with other women. I know when jumping, if you're a female out there, especially starting out, you're gonna get all the help that you possibly could want because the guys will trip over themselves trying to help you out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't doubt that for a second.
0: Right. And if you were You'll a manipulator, see. which I'm sure they're not, they can really use that system. Guilty.
1: <laughs> so, so you're saying that older male divers are pushovers?
0: A good bit, I think. I mean, flattery goes a long way.
1: And then as we approach the end of our articles, we have divers prep for a big trip with Scuba Olympics. This one's out of South Ogden, Um
0: well,
1: a these are pretty neat. I hadn't
0: thought about that one. Yeah. the a group of, spoon
1: race? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a group of scuba divers who train and travel the great adventure West Scuba of South Ogden stage their first unofficial Olympic Saturday as a way to sharpen underwater skills, prepare for an upcoming dive off the Catalina Island in California. They say there's nothing else like diving. Um, Kevin Youngberg, 60, of South Weber, it's a ball. So uh, we we certainly agree. Divers from 8 to, to 10 at different points arrived ready to play. They put on jackets, BCs, oxygen tanks. I don't know why they keep saying oxygen tanks.
0: Because the person right there wasn't a diver.
1: Uh, Dive boots and fins. Uh, but they didn't say flippers. Uh, bulky on land, they're weightless in water. Okay, and the article goes on. But uh, what did you see? You, what was some of the, the uh, events that they were holding?
0: Well, found it sounded like with a spoon and an egg, and you got to swim point A to point B. That would be a trick.
1: Egg and spoon race, <laughs> pool bottom run, submerged tic-tac-toe.
0: All right, tic-tac-toe, big deal.
1: Yeah. Said it was that a out good the way to sharpen their skills.
0: Oh, wow. The next one was the egg was replaced with a yellow ping-pong ball and spoon. Now that oh, would so be a challenge. Keep it up and down. That would be a challenge.
1: Oh uh-huh. yeah, cause, yeah, you'd have to do it at the see You're saying, yeah.
0: Oh, bucket race to transfer air trapped in containers. Now, I bet this could be a scream if they had something you could
1: see. Yeah, maybe, maybe oh. we need to we need to televise something like this. That is cool. Oh, and then they had look, they had the official golf ball. <laughs> so it did count as a dive. <laughs> they said the underwater tech was a wash when nobody could agree on a scoring method. <laughs>
0: The thing with the spoon sounds interesting.
1: It does. So, but this is something I want to do. I I think we need to get something planned for like a January time frame or maybe even February.
0: Oh my goodness. Did you read the other one? A three thinned race.
1: Three thinned race. No, I didn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it says the Nemos tied the Bruces in the tug of war, which we've had underwater tug of war, but the Bruces prevailed in buddy toe in the three finned race. think three legged race for horizontal ones emerged.
1: The chat room says they're not driving the Ogden. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well if somebody wants to sponsor a mud team for next year's event
1: yeah well i, I just think we need to hold one uh, in our area i bet we could get some people now i know sass did one tried to do something like that
0: well that yeah that was the one what last year i know you got some interesting classes this this coming weekend i thought you probably got the advertisements for that right
1: yeah actually let's let's we can pull that up and talk about it even though i didn't put it in the notes
0: yeah they were talking about uh, identification of both uh the fish and the weeds, and they're going to have classes on that, and then they're actually going to do some dives.
1: So they're having weed, weed identification that, then.
0: And then you get a little certification.
1: Yep, so they've got Dive for a Cause coming up for the Susan G. Coleman for a Cure Breast Cancer Dive. That's this Sunday, the June 24th, yep. at Gall Lake, Ross yep, Township. That's, that's, that's a dive.
2: That's a dive. That's a dive for boobies. Yep. That's what they're calling it, dive for boobies. Big or small, we love them all.
1: Yeah, I, I see the, the email says Dive for a Cause, but I do like to dive for a boobies. That that sounds no, better.
2: That, that's what they've been calling
1: it. And they say all proceeds go to Wish Michigan Area Cancer Foundation to help local cancer patients? Donation is $25. Registration at 12 noon. Dive at 1 p.m. cookout and prizes following. Hm. That, that'd be excellent. 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 Okay, let's see. And there was another one. Didn't SAS have something else planned, you said, Mac?
0: Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Of what the, Other than that class, you mean? Yeah, I, I thought I saw them,
1: yeah, and I, now I can't find it in, the, in my email, but it seemed like they had a bunch come all at once. hmm Okay. Oh, uh, well, they have a sale going on. Oh, environment at cl- underwater environments class. Uh, Michigan's underwater yeah, environments wet.
2: class. Yeah, wet. What more do you want for an underwater environment?
1: Yep, so the lecture is Monday, June 25th at 6 p.m., two dives, and Wednesday, June 27th mm-hmm. at Gall Lake, and certification cards. Now, some of the graphics they have in the email is, is interesting. I like the Great Lakes profiles. Whoop, and then uh, let's see what else we got. We got another plug here. Uh, August 4th at White Star is a, is a dive for boobies. I'm, yeah, you're right, Rich. I, Rich Sinewick from Divers Inc. and uh, Divers Incorporated and White Star uh, said that there will be a dive for boobies August 4th. So is that kind of like bobbing for apples? <laughs> uh, or I get those rules mixed up. Okay, so uh now, Mac, I saw that uh, on the Mud Club site that you had a debate going on, so I thought we could cover that here in the in the news part it's uh, this is from C. Durfee. He said I enjoyed the presentation at the Coloma Historical Museum last night. very interesting, and so is the website. Who has the rights to objects found? if you find my husband's size ten air Force ring off. Strong's Resort, Paw Lake. Is it yours or his? And did you see my response? I did. Did you want to read that?
0: Did you? No, I, I couldn't get my network to let me approve it so I could do that.
1: Okay. No, that it, was it, what I was going to quote. Yeah. I've, I've got it here, so I'll, I'll read. I won't do your voice, but I'll, I'll say what you said. Uh, metal detecting in the state parks. Metal detecting is recognized as a legitimate recreational activity when it's conducted in ways that do not damage natural and cultural resources. In Michigan State Parks, uh, it does not damage the research The Michigan State Parks nor violate the applicable state statutes. Any items found must be reviewed by park staff and may be retained for further investigation. And then uh, there's a link that you have uh, which talks about it. And then the state of Michigan, anything that is less than 100 years old if found on land is fair game. Anything that is known to be over 100 years old belongs to the state of Michigan. In the state of Michigan, federal land is 100% off limits. Uh, keep out or get a ticket or lose your detector. Water is fair game if it's not in an area where there is a shipwreck. Public beaches are fair game in general. If a class ring has initials in a year, many finders will try and locate the owner, especially the local and tackle boxes. If there's a fishing license, you can track down the owner. It's actually fun to return to an owner just to hear the story how they lost it. So hopefully that your question. Yeah, I think so. Now, isn't there something also, I didn't see you mention it, but just on the value of an object? If an object's above a certain value, the state also claims it regardless of age?
0: it's really weird that if you go from the aspect of metal detecting, if it's over, if it's like you found a 1950s penny or dime or quarter, legally it belongs to the state, but again, it's one of those laws. They do not enforce. But if you find something really good, they're going to take it from you. The Haji bottles are over 100 years old. But right. how many guys find bottles? And do you think the state's going to come down because you found a freaking pop bottle? No. But you find something decent, and they're going to be on
1: you like flies on other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're they're going to come and get you. So, uh, and what we're talking about is Michigan rules. Always validate on your own. And each state or each country is going to have its own regulations, so make sure you check those out before you find things. But like you said in there, you know, if we found something, and we meaning me, if I found something I could identify who it was and return it, you know, I'm we're diving the dive. I'm not diving the – I mean, get rich would be nice, but, you know, we'll, we'd and, return
0: it. And, and, and realistically, if you went out there and you found a sack of gold coins – you would be a fool, my opinion only, not a spouse enough for anybody else, to tell the state that you found it.
1: Gold coins, what gold coins?
0: I mean, if they want it so bad, get out there and look for it, guys. You just like to say things like that, so I get upset and tight <laughs> and yell and scream and get enthusiastic.
1: Hey, get I'm so pissed
0: off that they took. I can't do underwater logging now without a permit.
1: Oh, that one.
2: We'll have to do yeah, an up order what? Underwater, underwater what? Underwater
0: what? Underwater logging. Logging. Remember up in Duncan Bay? You're talking thousands of dollars for that stuff we found up there. But they won't we can't salvage that now. Not without the state. And then they want to cut.
1: Yeah, it used to be just a permit, like a license, but they stopped issuing those. And now it's a whole different way of getting permission. But like you said, it's they want to cut. Even though they didn't cut down the trees in the first place that are down there.
2: Actually, Mac, I think what I will do in the future is just remove those floating navigational hazards. And I'll put the lift bag on it, just to if, make if sure on it just to make sure that it marks the floating navigational hazard as I'm hauling it to shore.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That, that's a good thought. And you're also doing an ecology dive getting junk out of the bottom.
1: That's right. Oh, okay. And then an, another article, this is um, one from, J, not article, uh, posting. I, and I don't think you've seen this one, Mac. Uh, this one's from I Jason. saw it, but I
0: didn't, I was, actually, uh, I'm not sure which Eagle Lake he's talking about. I think he's talking about the one at Fort Custer.
1: I think and so. He said, I'd also be curious about the possibilities of military equipment in Eagle Lake. Can anyone comment? So I think, I think you're right. Is yeah. that is and that Eagle Lake at Fort Custer? Say again. Is that Eagle Lake at Port Custer?
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not. There's actually three lakes around uh, Fort Custer, and uh, one of those has uh, like an island, and it, it, it's actually nicer to dive the boat launch away from the boat, obviously, than it is from the swimming area, because the swimming area has a small section, because it's got weeds like crazy, except in the swimming part. And uh, if you go out there and you're at the beach looking straight out from the, where the kids, everybody swims, go to the right. You go out there about 300 yards to the right, 35 feet down, and you'll find what looks like the remnants of an old wooden LST, but it's, it's pretty much sunken in. On the other side of the island, the rumor is, one, there's a sunken aircraft and there's a sunken tank. And did I lose you again? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I'm uh, real uh, quiet. I couldn't tell.
1: Yeah, I was listening to you here about a sunken tank, just imagining. Uh,
0: I have pictures of other stuff, but I can show you guys if you're interested.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the one that they actually closed the lake up for a couple of years, because, and you can't use metal detectors. Uh, they used to do live firing stuff, and they used to have artillery there. They also used to have um, anti-aircraft detachments through the years. And they were finding a lot of live munitions on the bottom. So they closed it and had the EOD people come in and dive. And it was like two years. They we were going through the bottom and getting stuff up. And then they reopened it. <clears throat> I'm not quite sure why I would be too much concerned with my underwater metal detector out there. Because most of those are not electronically induced fuses.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it could ruin they, your day. Yeah, they just I think they just don't want anybody out there, honestly.
0: Well, we dive there. I mean, it's not a bad place to dive, but certain areas it unless you got a boat, it's hard to get to,
1: uh-huh, yeah i I've camped at that campground many times, and I just i mean that was my pre-diving days, but I just never even thought about that spot. It's not a real inviting looking lake there, And you're that's right, there been, are a that's few nice. Is
0: lots, that? lots of fish uh, visibility was very decent, huh.
1: Well, I think I'm, think I'm going to have to try it.
0: Yeah, we did a Wednesday night dive out there with SAS last year. Uh, Richard Curtis was uh, was out there with him and a bunch of other people, and we had a grand old time.
1: Well, excellent. So, uh, and, you know, and, and since we have people commenting on these posts, it, it brings me back to the idea of a scuba forum. Uh, I don't know if there's if there's any interest, if you're a listener of the, of, uh, the podcasts and want a scuba forum other than the ones that are currently out there, let us know. We can put one together. I just would want to have some moderators, volunteer moderators, to manage it so it doesn't turn into a big troll fest. But I keep trying to figure out how we create dialogue between people. And, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm up for suggestions. So that does it for the news.
0: Uh, where did time go? The time go? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we keep going. So, uh, Let's see here. Uh, let's talk about last week's dives. So, so Mac, you you were out of commission for a little bit, weren't you? Yep. Well. So, did you get in the water in. at all?
0: I got back in this week. Yeah, I had to take a week off with my finger to heal.
1: So, did you you got cleared then? I take it.
0: Well, I ran out of antibiotics. and I can pour alcohol on it and it didn't burn, so I'm good. <laughs>
1: now, hopefully, it's rubbing alcohol. We don't we don't want to waste the good stuff.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it's stuff I can't drink. Medicinal stuff. Of course. Well,
1: you guys got on on the big stuff on the big lake. Yeah, uh, Jim Schultz and myself, along with Ken from the preserve, we went out to Max wreck. So uh, actually got uh, two dives in on the wreck, empty two tanks. Uh, conditions were, I mean, the, the the we just had some great weather in Lake Michigan. In fact, I think we've used up all our great weather for the year already.
2: Oh, so, don't say that.
1: No, the, I I think we're now in bonus time. So any day that is nice. You got to use it because it's going to go away.
2: Oh, okay, that I, I'll go along with that.
1: Yeah, so it's like you know, you're only allowed so many good days a year, and those are already gone and used up. So I'm just we surprised went. How many and,
0: people aren't diving yet?
1: Why would you not be diving yet? I know that today is the longest day of the year, and what summer is just officially starting. But gosh, you got to be diving. It's just been beautiful.
2: You know the sad part about the official beginning of summer. From this point on, the days start getting shorter.
1: They do downhill all the way.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just, I'm going to be a be couple a days for winter, die and, and say, you know, just enjoy all that sunshine you're getting now. Yep,
0: that's like when they tell you once you're past fifty, it's downhill all the
1: way, guys. <laughs> you guys keep scaring me. Say what? You keep scaring me when you say that.
0: <laughs> you're not even fifty yet.
1: I know, and the, the time just seems to be ripping away. So you need to get out there and get diving. That's that's all I got to say. So we went out and dove on uh, Max Rec. Uh, I thought visibility is about the same as before, wasn't it? Didn't you think so, Jim?
2: Yeah, Uh, maybe a little better, not a whole lot. Yeah,
1: we had more uh, definition between the water layers going through the thermoclines.
2: I was surprised how cold it was. I hadn't expected it to be quite that cool, but still was comfortable in a wetsuit.
1: Yeah, I was comfortable in a wetsuit. I mean, I did get a little chilly after a while, but nothing that would make me want to go up. <laughs> as long as there was air, I was ready to go. Yeah, but, I, uh, uh,
2: You know, I, I ran out of bottom time before I ran out of warmth. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep, staying out of deco. But,
1: uh, yeah, got to, got to see a little bit more of the wreck. It's amazing how th- that first dive, even though you see everything, you don't absorb it. And then these next two you kind of go back on spots you've already seen, but you notice different things. So pretty good visibility. I would put it about 25 feet. Uh, surface temperature was about 60. is about what I, what we had, wasn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, 61, 62 somewhere in there, and about 42 on the bottom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So excellent. Another excellent uh, dive, and that was a that was a first time Ken had been on the wreck, uh, and he enjoyed he enjoyed seeing it. See, any, any, I think that was it for the diving. It seemed, seemed like more.
0: Well, uh, the river and Niles prior to the rain we had the other day had 10 foot visibility and warm.
1: 10 foot I visibility pictures, in the river?
0: I took some pictures from the surface and I could see, and I have pictures of shopping carts, bicycles, signs. You can see. The, the visibility was so good. I came up on the berm saying, Oh my God, I got to go diving. And uh, we dove again in the St. Joe River. Um, I don't know. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, I think. Forget. And Tuesday. Yeah. The, the visibility then was about six inches. <laughs> and the biggest odd item I'd had happened that remember how when we were up in, um, in uh, Charleston? Yeah. And the fish would come smacking us? Yep. Same thing. I'm down there, and I can't see a lot, but I'm getting smacked by a fish. Really? And the current's a little faster, so I I took my river sick, but uh, it was, I mean, great. I did find some bottles. I found crockery or, you know, broken plates, and it's like, what the hell is that doing out there in the middle of nowhere? So now I sort of have to go back and start looking for that, like, where'd the plates come from?
1: Now, this is Niles?
0: No, this is on our river, down around the bin at Crundy Park in Benton Harbor. Oh really? Now uh, Jim had given a presentation. When was that, Jim? In March or
2: mm, still headers? Yeah, March or April.
0: And I had gone. My neighbors on the little mucky mucks and that, and I stayed afterwards. But a guy had talked to Jim about he he'd lost an anchor, and then he Jim referred him to me because availability. I'd be more available than Jim was to go out and, and pick that up. And uh, he really never was proactive in getting out there to get the anchor. And then I had gone out there before scoping the area, and I got in, and it's like that was a bad day because you got in, and as soon as your your knees got there, they were parallel to the boat. So that was a little fast current to be diving by the trees with no viz. So we decided that wasn't a good day to go diving, so we didn't. And eventually I did get a picture from him, like not a picture, but a map like where is this at? Exactly, because I'm not crazy about diving in submerged trees. So we got a better location. We went back out, and uh, we were successful. And my little note I think I put on the, on the club site was, uh, if you're going to be using lift bags, you might want to use the one and check it out before you try it. Because if we used four bags to get the damn thing up because we kept blowing the seals. It's been so long that we used them Ooh. try it out.
1: Oh, wow, that's a good point.
0: And what he did is he had a... Uh, and you're wondering, why, you know, what size anchor? Well, it wasn't an anchor. It's what they call a chain anchor. And what he did, and he got it from Sagatuck, is several rings with anchors, anchor chain, that we would love to find on a wreck. They were one inch diameter. So I think that one pile we had was 128 pounds. So when you drop that in, it went, it's not going to drag. And that boat's not going anywhere. And he has electric winch on it, and they accidentally, somehow turned and bent their head on it so the winch wouldn't work. And being a bunch of older gentlemen, they said there's no way in hell they could have dragged up a line with 128 pounds on it. And I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have trouble with our 20-pound anchor.
1: Yeah, I just uh, pasted a link into the chat room so they can see it. That is a big mess of chain.
0: Yes, it was, and then when we were, the first bag got it off the off the side, I came up and he says, put some more because it's- you know it's bleeding through the the fabric put mine on there, and it blew the freaking seam out the back. It's like i and I had played with mine last summer and resealed them, but obviously not well enough, so checking the bags before you really need it for a job
1: that's that's good advice now how how did you are you going to be able to repair the ones that blew?
0: Yeah, I'm just going to fold it back over and get my uh that uh, marine goop mm hmm Uh, I mean, it's only a 50-pounder, so it really wasn't designed to lift that, but I was trying to add some buoyancy to it because we were dragging it, and as we started to get on the shore, you know how much drag you have, you know, you're five feet down with your lift bag, and it was starting to bottom out.
1: Wow. Now, I understand that you had a presentation on uh, Tuesday night.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, That turned out great. They They said it was the largest audience they've had, uh, standing room which was great wow they had set up uh audio system but people in the back still couldn't hear me so it's a good thing they had the audio system um got some interesting tips met a lot of neat people the older people have a lot of stuff to tell you um not to mention the food was good too but we had a good time uh, the program was well received and uh it was a really good opportunity for us
1: excellent
0: yeah we tried to. we definitely put the stuff out there it was this flag is not a turning pylon speedboat oh. pylon, and please don't grab it when you go by.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: So my, my normal starting out, though, is I ask, okay, how many divers in here? And I did have some people raise their hands. And so I just want to know who my competition was, of course. <laughs> and uh, probably half of them were, men, or were women. Excellent. Uh, but the majority of them are uh, clear water, warm water divers around the world type, meaning they've been there, did some really neat dives, but they don't dive local. Except two guys I met. Mm-hmm. Then I met some older guys who dove in the 60s out there, and they had a club. And he told me the name, and it escapes me. And he said it sort of went by the wayside, but that's when they made their own dry or wetsuits and stuff. That guy had some interesting tales.
1: Oh, wow. Of course, anything he could tell you is probably in Loran.
0: <laughs> it's we... usually X marks the spot in the water. Well, if you're off the dock, they're at, and it's like, yeah, okay.
2: We can convert Loran. <laughs>
0: yeah well the hard part is well it's between here and here well duh in about 60 foot of water duh about what does that mean well
1: my my anchor was at about a 45 degree angle
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah i have 200 foot of scope out on my line yeah
1: yeah but uh you know even if they can get us in the ballpark now with the side scan that that can at least get us there
0: when you got six inches of business and you're doing a pattern it, you can miss it very easily depending on what you're
1: looking for and how big the object is. Yep. Now, I missed the first part of the mud club meeting. So, Jim, was there anything exciting that came out of that?
2: No. Uh, they just did a nice presentation on,
1: uh, let's see, lift
2: bags. Who was actually talking about lift bags. <laughs> lift bags splitting open? <laughs> uh, no, just different types and, you know, uh, everything from uh, sausages, a small sausage, to uh, you know, two hundred and fifty pound lift bag and shooting the line from the bottom. You know how how often do people shoot a line? Uh, it comes back to what Max said. You know, you got these lift bags, and how often do we use them? So.
0: And if you've never played with your, I have to phrase this different. If you've not used your lift bag sausages and played with them in the water, that still sounds weird.
2: What were you really going to say? <laughs>
1: if if, if you're, you're, you're talking about playing with your sausage in the water. <laughs>
0: It's like, when you said that.
1: Hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, I think I get what you mean. If you haven't uh, uh, tried out your flotation devices, how do you know if they work?
0: Right. And that's why I'm glad I got that new one from Dan this year because the one I've been carrying, that's when I found out two years ago. It sucked Yeah. because it didn't have the little valve on it. It didn't inflate. And you had to put it down two-thirds, well, one half of the length of it just to get it straight, you know, to be straight up. And when you got two and a half, three foot seas, you can't see the darn thing. Yeah.
1: Well, like that bag that I've got, I think that's good for on the surface, but I think there could be problems if if you if I blew it up at depth. I mean, you'd have to kind of guesstimate uh, its inflation. So if I put it up on a finger spool, uh, you could easily blow the blow it up, blow it apart.
0: Yeah. If you got if you got bungers and you did it deep, yeah. Yeah. Well, I deliberately got me a finger reel for mine, and I keep that in my BC pocket when I'm doing more than 50 foot dives.
1: <laughs> oh gosh! If if you're not in the chat room, you're really missing out. They're saying things in there that we can't repeat. But I'm sorry, Mac, what was that?
0: <laughs> I just, uh, you know, the finger reel part in your in your BC pouch with your with your float device is something that you might want to practice in a in a lake or something sometime. But well, I thought
1: about doing it when we do our safety stop, like if we're, on your, if we're on one of the wrecks. Yeah. You know, when you're doing that, you got a few minutes. So, you know, see if you can unclip it. You know, you got it in the right spot where you can reach it, uh, remembering that you're going to, you might be on the surface bobbing around quite heavy when you really need it. Yeah. You know, get it on it's a
0: It's good, good to do it when you're comfortable, a nice day, you're not tired, because the time you need it's when you're going to be cold, miserable, and. You know, if you can't do it when you're comfortable, you really do need to practice it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Depending on how you're going to inflate it too. Like the one I've got, you have to in- inflate by blowing into it. So if you're, you know, if you're if you're getting water smashing over your head and you're having a hard time breathing, that might be uh, a tough situation if you haven't practiced it.
0: Have, have, did you take the DAN test this week, this month? They had one on "Are you a safe diver?" I took yes. that. My first score was 75, one because I answered two questions before I fully read them. Duh. Mm-hmm. But some of the points are good, and I'll use your, yours and mine. Last time we dove, I came up slow because you came up slow, and you were coming up slow because I was. Yeah. We should have, we should have communicated better before we went down for that. The other other, item is: When's the last time you you did a control on purpose at deco point or your ten or twenty foot? Do a buddy share on the regulators. mm -hmm. But if you can't do it, then you sure as heck can't do it whenever you got a problem. Oh yeah, it has been a while. I will admit, I haven't done it.
1: No, well, they don't. I don't believe they even teach buddy shares. Right now.
0: Well, we do that here. I mean, we all have octopuses. Right. So even just handing them to the octopuses is, is a, we haven't practiced right. it like we probably should.
1: No, no, we, we should. And, and Jim Cleman and I have talked about that too that we need to, what we, we thought about doing was just having like maybe a bag with uh, different, you know, drills on it. And right before you went in the water, you would get the drill. And maybe, you know, at first you would tell, you know, you'd both agree on the drill before going in, but maybe later on it could be you you wouldn't know what the – one one person wouldn't know what the other person drew. So maybe, you know, a, a drill might be an out-of-air exercise. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we've, we've talked about doing that as well.
0: Jim, do you know if somebody volunteered in the meeting to do a presentation next time? Because Bob's done a couple now. He did the one on, uh, on reels.
2: Yeah, I one, think he's planning uh, – He's planning to do one next time also. I can't remember what he was talking about doing it on, but he was going to. Okay, because I next
0: thought he was time. going to do it on his his uh, wing last this month, but obviously he did lift bags instead.
2: Yep, no, so he did it, lift bags this month.
0: So it must be wing
2: next time. Oh, he's going to uh, demonstrate how to rig a backplate, how to web a backplate.
0: Okay, good. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's yeah. I'm I'm glad he thought about that. So far, I've liked everything he's done.
2: Yep, it's yeah. been a nice. Nice addition to the agenda. Yes.
1: Okay. So any plans, oh. any diving uh, scheduled coming up?
0: Well, hope to get out tomorrow. And we're going to be uh, looking for what I understand is a better potential location for the Margaret.
1: When you say the Margaret, where's that?
0: That's in Paw Paw Lake.
1: Oh, okay. Nice.
0: And I actually did find out where that boiler came from that was uh, salvaged about 35 years ago. Oh, okay. That boiler was taken out on another boat and sank deliberately. And then they used the boiler as a uh, a positioning where you put a, a rope on it. They'd have another boat on the shore and they'd use the the weight to drag the boat in off the shore for work. You mm. know, working on the boat. So it was not part of the wreck that is also out there in uh, Outlet Bay. Hmm. Okay. Oh, and they also have. I didn't know that Pawpaw Lake actually had a dry dock in the 1900s.
1: A dry dock was Pawpaw Lake?
0: Well, you got to remember, the Margaret was a double-decker, held 225 people, 88 foot by 20, 21, 22. They had, I counted, 14 different major boats they used between uh, 1895 and 1920. And that one, the lady was telling me her mother used to, they used to live blah, blah, blah place. And when they were kids, they'd play out there on the bones of the wreck. And of course, it's like, can you show me on the map where this is? Wow. <laughs> Which she did. So maybe tomorrow I'll be able to see if there really is something there that I didn't know to look for.
1: So the dry dock was just for maintenance on the boats that were out there in the lake then?
0: Yes. Yep. Wow. And they were saying, uh, well, we got guy had some pictures of launches. They had some launches out there with 15 and 25 people. Those are freaking big boats.
1: Yeah. Now, is that because some of the islands that are there, that's how they will get people out to them, maybe?
0: Well, you got to remember the islands were not, you know, where you're talking about uh, Papa Isle, that was dug in 1927 to 1930. That wasn't there back in the heydays.
1: Oh, so it wasn't an island then.
0: Right. So, and other than that, there is no islands per se. Hmm. Then I had another one that was, she was, uh, when I went through Duncan Bay or Coloma Bay, and I was talking about there's not a lot there, and it's weedy, blah, 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 and I sort of downplayed it. Afterwards, she came back and told me that uh, that's not true. (laughs) She said, my mother used to work at blah, blah, blah place, and that's right here. So it's like, well, I haven't dove there because the weeds are so high, but. She was emphatic that there was that that the resort there did pretty good business back in the 1910s 1920s.
1: Well, if you haven't dove there, that means there's a ton of stuff that <laughs> 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 hasn't been picked over yet. You mean oh, there's there for the for rest
2: it.
0: of us? Well, you know, I found that other section of clay banks out there, too, last week. I hadn't realized we were there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know, the one from the Yacht Club I think you guys have been on,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's
0: four foot. It goes from four foot to 30 feet in the scope of maybe four foot. It's sharp. Um, and then I was coming out of uh, the Wigwam Hotel, the one that burned down in 2010. They got two brand new con- or houses up there now. If you dive straight off their place, go out to the berm at about 15 feet and it drops down, that's clay banks on that side. It's got the big holes in it, so you're waiting for the more eels to come out and grab you. I didn't realize they were there. Oh. No. Jim and I, we found when we are out there uh, off where the uh, the siding around buoys, buoy's uh, landing uh, before you get to Forest Beach. Remember, we ran in that, and it's like near shore, and it just dropped down to 26 feet like nothing.
2: Yeah. Yep,
0: yep. And it's like, uh, that means I need to go. And since I shore dive, I hadn't got there yet. But that would be an interesting place because it it dropped real quick offshore.
1: Now, what would these larger boats draw that were there?
0: I've got some pictures of them. And one, I think it's funny, is I said, had the Coast Guard or the uh, Marine Division been in existence, I don't think they had 225 life preservers on some of those boats. Uh, One of them had a, um, a habit of always tilting to the side everybody's always afraid it was going to sort of capsize. It never did. But they had some big ones. Um, The one that they said is sunk in Sherwood Bay is the Gypsy. Uh, She's 66 foot long, a single boiler. And I haven't found that one yet. But I thought the one that's in Outlet Bay is the Gypsy because it's about 66 feet long. Hmm. But it's submerged now in in the junk, in the crap. You can't get a good shot at it. I love Papa Lake. That's a great place. I don't care what people like it <laughs>
1: So what's the viz running right now?
0: Uh, again, is that pre-muck or not muck?
1: <laughs> if somebody were to come in from the surface and not stir anything up.
0: I've been averaging out there the last couple of weeks, five to ten feet.
1: Oh, well, that's good. That's good for this time of year because that poisoning really didn't take this year, did it?
0: Boy, uh, well, I didn't think so. And it sure muddied up the water, turned it brown for, I swear, a week and a half, two weeks. Huh. Uh, but I have, again, the carp and uh, some of the panfish are mating. So if you're in the shallows grubbing, you're going to get blindsided by some of the freaking carp. They're going to come and smack you.
1: But they don't like you there?
0: Well, you're, they're territorial when they're breeding, so they'll come up and hit you in your blindside. Some of those guys are built like tanks.
1: Yes. I'd yes. rather
0: hit me in the sides than in the face mask, though. Yeah.
1: Now, now, Jim, you're, you're going to be out of town for a couple weeks. Are you going to get any diving in when you're... Out east.
2: Well, I'm actually looking at a couple sites right now, seeing uh, who's got charters running when, and when I might be able to get wet. Excellent.
0: He's probably going to get on a wreck dive and come back with a porthole. You watch that guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's because he's he's in the ocean where you can do that. Well, we'll see. In fact, well, just don't
0: go out with anybody who's got a, a, a sling, Hawaiian sling or anything.
1: <laughs> well, I, I was reading a book and they were talking about that the uh, East Coast divers didn't wear weight belts. They just had uh, uh, wrenches and crowbars and sledgehammers. Guilty. That's
2: what Jim told me. <laughs> Guilty.
1: <laughs> so, uh, speaking of books, I did uh, finish our the book we talked about the last few episodes. And it got better towards the end. I mean, uh, he didn't the, the the extreme of the stories uh, kind of calmed down there, but they very interesting. And, he, and his writing skill improved as the book went on. So I finished that one. And also I finished another one. Uh, I'm a big fan of Clive Custler and his new book, The Storm, was out. So I finished that off. And there was a little scuba diving in that as well. Not a lot. But one thing that did alarm me a little bit is in the book, they referred to scuba tank as oxygen tank. And knowing that Clive is a scuba diver, I thought that was a little odd that that made it in. But he does write with, uh, with co-writers. This one was Graham Brown, so maybe uh, that didn't get fixed. But uh, a good book if you like Clive Custler. Plus, uh, a significant amount of his profits go back into Numa, which does find some shipwrecks in the area. So I feel like I'm supporting myself when I when I buy the books. We also had on the scuba-obsessed fan map, uh, some more people this week who went in there. So if you haven't added your pin to the map, please do so. It's nice to see where all our fans are in the area. We also love those four star four star. Five star reviews on iTunes and also uh talkshoe so if you go to talk you can leave a review there. And in in fact I think we've uh, I've got one uh on talk so let me look that up. If I can figure out how to type type in talk Wait, that's not it. I clicked the wrong thing. I went into my I went into my own podcast. <laughs> look looking for the review, so uh Oh
2: man. Did you do the same thing? No. They're doing a dive, an ocean dive. I'll have to look at this wreck. But the way they advertise it is well, it's called Dyna D Harry Rush. Dynadine must be the dive boat going out to it. Harry Rush apparently is the wreck. Dead eyes abound on this old schooner, 90 feet. And that's a schooner in the ocean? That I would like to see. To compare it to the ones we get here. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be something to go and look at. I'm going to have to contact them about getting wet.
1: Oh, he, 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 here's an excellent review on TalkShoe. Uh, I won't say who it's from, and I'll see if you can pick it out. Uh, it says, scuba obsessed, the fantastic way to get through those long dives with a significant shutter, those drive times. You seriously need to listen to every episode. If you're into scuba diving, Darren and guests keep you entertained, informed, and give a fresh new diver approach to each dive. Darren and Jim inspired me, mentored me towards my own podcast. Also found in TalkShoe, I've had a good fortune to be able to dive with Darren. Look forward to next time. Keep it up, guys. I will see you soon underwater. I mean that—that's kind of like a pun. Anybody should be able to figure out who that was.
0: You got to keep your brother, and keep writing more of those.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was uh, Rich Sinwick from Divers Think. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. So uh, we, you know, go ahead and give us a review. Uh, you got anything to plug, uh, Jim or Mac?
2: Just the dive for boobies coming up this weekend.
1: The dive for boobies, you said.
2: Yeah.
1: And then what do you have, Mac?
0: I'm just saying, if you're not getting wet, uh
1: Yeah. If if you're not getting wet, you're just missing out. So I don't know what it's going to take. In Michigan, I don't think I've ever seen water as consistently.
2: Oh crud! Did we just drop? No, we're still here.
1: You're still here? Can I can I hear you? I'm here. Okay. I think we lost Mac. I know he's just trying to get out of that bad scuba joke at the end.
2: At midnight yet? Did he turn into a toad? I, I think it must be. Or maybe he just couldn't wait to get another dive in.
1: Did he go away mad? The the chat room's asking. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> well, I think I may have to check out Atlantic Divers then, next couple of weeks. Okay.
1: Well, you, you, you let us know how that goes. How that will goes. do. We'll do. Okay. Well, as always, don't forget to check out our Facebook page, scubobsessed.com forward slash Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at Scuba Obsessed and again we you got the website www.scubaobsessed.com and don't forget to check out some of the other podcasts uh, such as Diver Sync or talking-scuba.com both of those are excellent shows that you need to make sure that you listen to and or watch. Thank you everybody who came to the chat room. We had quite a full chat room tonight. A few people coming in. We had uh, Lynch Diver, Rich from Diver Sync, Jeff, Lisa, John, and then Dave even was able to make it. I'm sure he's been doing quite a bit diving now that he's a dive instructor. And I, I think we've plugged everything there is to plug. The
2: only thing left is
1: the bad joke of the week. Yeah, I've got two of them. Mac uh, sent me a couple. So uh, let's see, which one do we want to do?
2: The bridge one's pretty good.
1: You like the bridge one?
2: I like the bridge one, you know, for for those biker divers of that are out there. Okay, let me look at that one real quick. Okay, that's one they posted on Skype. Yep.
1: Yeah, I've got that one. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. I. I yeah. Okay. I think. I think we'll go with that one. So. No. Um, oh, and and it's it's yeah. Well, you just listen. If you if you hung around this long. On this uh, podcast, then you'll you'll definitely uh, make it through the joke. On January 9th, a group of uh, Peking, Illinois bikers were riding west on I-74 when they saw a girl about to jump off Peoria Bridge. So they stopped. The leader, George, a big burly man of 53, gets off his bike, walks through the gawkers, past the state trooper, and says, What are you doing? I'm going to commit suicide, she says. While he didn't want to appear sensitive, he didn't want to miss an uh, be alleged an opportunity either so he asked well before you jump why don't you give me a kiss so with no hesitation at all she leans back over the railing and did just that it was a long deep lingering kiss followed immediately by another after she finished george gets approval from his group the onlookers and even the state trooper when he says wow that's the best kiss i've ever had honey that's a real talent you're wasting sugar shorts you could be famous if you rode with me why are you committing suicide my parents don't like me dressing up like a girl the onlookers are still unclear whether she jumped or was pushed.
2: Lucky George. Chat room will like the joke.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's why, like Mac, he just pasted that in the chat room and then ditched. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's a little uh, agenda going on there. Uh, I don't know. So, he was talking about his
2: sauce earlier. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, uh, once again, I'd like to thank Seb for coming on the show and Danaea for doing the interview for myself, for Mac, for Jim, and everybody else on uh, Scuba Obsessed.
2: Go out there and get wet. Stay safe and remember no sausages were harmed in the making of tonight's show. Call recording has been completed. Uh, Interesting chat room conversation tonight.
1: It was.